Hello, and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast. Merry meet. My name is Amberly. And I am Margot, and we are very happy to have you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Margot, we have somebody really amazing joining us today. You want to tell us about her? Yes, I do. Um, we have Kate St. Clair with us today. Uh, Kate is a writer in Austin, Texas. Her books, Spelled and Cursed, both received Moonbeam Children's Book Awards, and she was named the best young author in the Ippy Awards 2014. She is also the author of new book, The Ptolemy Project, Children of Titan Book One, which was published in September of this year. And as a practicing witch, she used magic every step of the way in her writing process. She also breeds black swallowtail butterflies and runs barefoot through the woods on full moons. Uh, please welcome Kate St. Clair to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much. That intro got me hyped. I feel like I need to go kick down some doors. Nice. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, so how are you doing? Uh, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. My favorite things to talk about are writing and magic. So I nice. can't imagine spending my afternoon a better way. Awesome. Yeah, it's perfect because our favorite things to talk about are books and magic. Yes. So, <laughs> so before we get into it, um, Margo, what are you drinking? Uh, it's not very exciting today. It's very typical of me, actually, at this point. I am still drinking coffee. It is 4.07 p.m., and I'm still working on my coffee um, from this morning, but it's it's super delicious. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but I put I started putting this stuff in my coffee. It's made by a company called Mood Belly, and mm. it has cacao and a little bit of cayenne and maca, oh. and it's um, I think it's called Mood Booster, and it's really healthy and it's supposed to like just get you pepped up in the morning but I honestly just think it's delicious it's it's almost like adding a little bit of spicy hot cocoa to your coffee I was gonna say spicy coffee though that's yeah. so exotic <laughs> how about you Kate what are you drinking well so I just finished my favorite drink in the world which is an iced oat milk latte with lavender which is apparently supposed to be the signal that says you're by my coworker oh. just told me so I was like well <laughs> Outed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I doesn't love a lavender latte. I know. I did not know that. Oh, hmm. wow. so that's what I'm I drinking. Love a, I love a lavender latte. Oh, I know. And oat milk, like, just mm. sends me. Yeah. yeah. Nice. How about nice. you, Emberly? I am drinking a mango and lemon balm tea chino. Oh my gosh, so fancy. Uh, with <laughs> prebiotics in it. Wow. Um, I have not tried it yet because it's too really hot. It just I just boiled it before we started, but I'll let you know how it is later. The prebiotics on. come in the teachino, or did you add it to the teachino? They come in the teachino. Oh, I don't even nice. have to do anything. I just <laughs> I put it in my trusty little whatever this thing is French press, and and then I drink it. My wow. drink game is lacking. You guys are putting me to shame. <laughs> I was just thinking. Uh, I was really like thinking that my coffee was super boring, but I forgot about the little extra stuff that I added to it. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because I'm keeping up with the both of you that have like really interesting, delicious drinks. I think if you put cayenne in your coffee, it makes you a badass. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. That's right. That's right. No heartburn so far. <laughs> All right. Oh gosh. I hope not. Um, so Kate, what are you reading? I'm reading Fairy Tale by Stephen King, which I am conflicted about because I have mixed feelings about Stephen King in general, and I probably mm -hmm. shouldn't even like voice this into the world because he has such a cult following and I don't know, is okay. maybe in the mob or something like that because I don't know how he gets to do all the things that he wants to do and no one edits him. But um, yeah, yeah so I have some uh, mixed feelings, but... Everyone was freaking out about that book, so I had to read it, and it was called Fairy Tale, which you know, as a Pisces, I'm like, yes, please. So, it's good. It's it's, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It takes a while <laughs> to get going. I know what you're saying about Stephen King. I've read some things yeah. that were ju that just made me want to throw 
a book across the room or possibly just bury it and or set it on fire. Uh, and I would never, ever burn a book. But I have read things in the past that just completely sent me. Um, and it's it's funny because it makes you wonder like where the e- where's the editing, but um, yeah, there's also like, other things I've read that are fantastic. So it's mm-hmm. just it's just weird. I mean, like someone can fight me, but he's problematic sometimes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. I actually just have started my first Stephen King novel. I know. Please don't get mad at me, but um, <laughs> it's my first ever, and it is. Uh, gunslinger which is the first in the watchtower series which i hear is just absolutely phenomenal and everyone that i talk to about it loves it and i cannot get through it um i've put it on two times speed because i'm actually listening to it uh i can't i can't get through it yeah i've never read that one i think we actually had i think we talked about this recently maybe for the tari and tirade or something um how i've really only read like pet cemetery right um, yeah. Carrie, it being the, the one that really sent me. We can't say yeah. about just the internal yeah. cringe. Yeah. How did that uh, get published? I don't know. I don't and know. I mean, I guess I, I can't really talk because I do young adult fiction and like there's definitely some steamy parts and that's, you know, I think part of being a teen is experiencing those feelings, but right. that was just too much. For. Yeah. Who Out wants that? Horrifying. And why don't we talk about it as a society? I, I, why is no of, one talking about it? It is really strange. And I always just assume that nobody reads. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's probably a fair assumption. Everybody, I mean, everybody's, seen, everybody's seen every version of that movie, but nobody talks about, you know, we all know what we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> Margo, what are you reading? Uh, so I, I have not finished it yet, but I am really enjoying it. I'm reading The Ptolemy Project by Kate St. Clair. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, I've had, I've been very, very challenged for time lately, and I am trying really hard to get my house in order uh, because I have a lot coming up next week. Uh, but I am really enjoying this, and thank you uh, so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly like, I, I, I love a good YA novel. I feel Ugh. like they are just like. It's like binging Netflix for reading, like that. That just, uh, what's the term I'm thinking of? That I can't, I can't pluck from my brain right now. Pez. It's like Pez. Pez. <laughs> you know, like the candy, you know. Uh, like an indulgence. Oh, okay. I don't know why I can't think of the term, um, but it's like an indulgence for me because they're just they're they're just almost always just a breeze to read through because they're super interesting and fun and. I love the character development in this right now. And I'm just like, I, I'm not at the part yet where I really know what's going on, but I can't wait to figure it out because it's just really, really intriguing straight off the bat. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're going to make <laughs> me all weepy. But I also have to warn you, if you're looking for fun, just maybe brace yourself a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> okay. it does, it gets real. But okay. I mean, I, I've never understood the shame around reading young adult fiction. I feel like it is the one genre that we can all relate to because we were all teens and that was mm-hmm. such a formative time that we all remember so vividly. You know, yes. it's like, can you, I can't think of five things that happened in the past four years of my life, yet I remember everything that happened in high school because those yeah. years are just so important and everything, you're feeling everything for the first time at that mm-hmm. level. So yeah. I think it's such a great genre. And, um, you know, I've had so many people be like, are you ever going to write real fiction or, you know, <sighs> I just don't even think like I I don't know if I'll move on from it because it's and there's so you? much to be explored. Yeah, but what what why is it not real fiction? I mean, yeah. there is no such thing. I was just <laughs> having this conversation with a guy who's a professor of literature, and he was saying, uh, you know, if it's art, it has to deal with something very dark, and it has to not. I guess he was implying that it has to not have a happy ending. And I was just like, I don't think I don't you agree. can define art that way. No, like art agree. is undefinable. So. God, I'm so glad that wasn't my professor because I would have been real mad. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like hundreds of years ago when, when people had like Shakespearean plays to attend, you either saw a comedy or a tragedy. And the, right. the definition of the comedy was the happy ending. Yeah. It's oh, true. but Shakespeare is an art, I guess. It's basically what he was saying. I mean, they said that about him at the time, and yet we're still reading it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
craziness. Um, yeah. Uh, Amberly, what are you reading? Well, I just finished the Ptolemy project <laughs> last night. Yes. Um, and I have to say that um, it's phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. And actually, I thought I had a little bit more, but it was like, then it was over. And then it was like, here's the beginning of the next book. I was like, I'm not reading it right now. <laughs> because I'll get too excited. And then, you know, I have to wait for the next one to come out. But um, it was so good. Oh, thank you. That makes me so happy. I'm so glad y'all liked it. Because it's, it's rough when people don't like it. And it's, you know, oh, I'm sure. Oh, God. No, now I'm really excited that there's a little bit of the next book at, <laughs> at the end. I actually like I, I fully just I will storm straight through and ruin every surprise there is to be ruined for myself when I'm <laughs> reading a book. So I'm excited. Well, you're going to enjoy it. All right. So I have a couple announcements. Actually, one. I have one announcement. Um, I would like to give a shout out to our new Patreon patrons. Uh, Kelly D and Retia M. Kelly D and Retia M. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Yeah, we thanks so much. You. <laughs> Thank you so much for the support. I get so excited when I get the little notification on my phone that there is a new Patreon. And then I immediately text Amberly like, now Patreon! <laughs> I know, if, I'm like, oh! <laughs> as if she doesn't also get the notification, but I still do it every single time. <laughs> I actually don't get the notification, so oh, it's really exciting when you right. send it to me. Um, I usually, like, I'll check the email at the end of the day or maybe every other day, so it's always exciting. Oh, I get the push notifications, so I'm, like, on it. Nice. As soon as, it, as soon as it happens. Well, Kelly and Retia, keep your eye on your mailbox because a fun little thing went out today. Nice. That's exciting. Well, I love that you guys have created a community where people can talk about this stuff openly. It's like, I, I don't know what y'all's journey was, but I think so many people are in the proverbial broom closet for so much of their mm -hmm. lives. And now it's such a fun thing to be able to discuss with people. So I'm glad that this exists. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Every time I see, you know, more and more bits and pieces entering into the mainstream, like it's, it's even the smallest thing. I, I got a text message. I was in a group text and I got a text uh, about um, Christmas coming up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I found, I found gifts for winter solstice. There was so what? many like blessed solstice gifts. There was one that had like this beautiful buck with these big antlers and the sun right in the middle of the antlers with like snow behind it. And I was oh my just gosh. floored. I was like, oh my God, there's gifts. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm pushing for all the holidays being recognized. Yes. Although I understand that children will be out of school for like half the year because yeah. every other month there's going to be some kind of holiday. But yeah. Yeah, but we already have a few holidays that could get, like, tossed out. Oh, fully. Thanksgiving <laughs> needs to uh, get out of here. Like, yes. no one cares anymore. Ugh. Fully just focus on Samhain. Yeah. Uh-oh, that was a bitter face. <laughs> I don't love it. <laughs> uh, update. <laughs> the uh, uh, mango lemon balm Ticino, which seemed weird because it's actually – a coffee alternative um, um, is not um, my favorite. Okay. I'll drink it because I made it. That's a shame. It sounds great. It's the probiotics. Yeah. They're never very tasty. I, I think it's the chicory. Mm, okay. That's a, yeah, that's a strange combination. Yeah, chicory is um, rough in the best of times. And I feel like the mango lemon balm chicory mix, maybe not. Well, just not my favorite. I mean, Somebody isn't it tree bark? What is chicory? Chicory is actually a root from yep. um, this really cute little blue flower that grows in the south. I actually really love chicory coffee. Mm. My husband oh. does too, and it's not my favorite. Kate, I am so interested in how you utilized your magic in writing the Ptolemy Project. Um, Amberly and I are both uh, a couple of major book nerds, um, as we've established. Um, and we've never really addressed the writing process when we've had other authors on. 
Uh, and I'm really fascinated by the use of witchcraft in the process of birthing an idea and seeing it through to the finish. Um, do you think you could shed some light on that process and what it looked like for you? Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited too. Um, I have to preface it by saying at the beginning of it all, I was in a super, super dark place when it came to writing. I had had writer's block that was caused by, I mean, caused by myself, obviously, like I am the one behind the curtain, but you know, there had been a whole bunch of external events that had made me feel like I was completely disempowered when it came to my writing and that um, I was kind of at the mercy of these outside influences. Um, and a lot of things that had happened made me not want to write. Um, right. But realizing that writing is sort of my birthright and no one can take that away from me, I was very passionate about getting back to writing because I thought that was going to help me find my way back to myself. Um, okay. So it, what started it all was a road opener ceremony, which was a big spell for my first spell. Um, oh, wow. And luckily I had just joined a coven that consisted of my sisters and then a few of our friends. So we all did it together. And it it was first a bath that cleared you of all of your blockages. Okay. And then you had to do a fire ceremony. And it was such a purging thing. And I didn't realize how many obstacles I had I had put against myself. I'd put in my own path. I was telling myself these stories of, you know, I have writer's block is in itself cursing yourself. You know, you're telling yourself, I cannot do this. There's right. a block there. So getting rid of those one by one in this, you know, incredibly intense purging ceremony, that started it off. And I remember feeling light in a way that I hadn't in so many years. And so then I was, you know, trying to think of what's going to be my next project and wanting to dive into that because, you know, being in the creative space as a creative, like that's that's the goal of life. You want to be in that impassioned state. Um, and so that was her second spell was we did planting magic, which um, I think we got from just a random book that we'd gotten at like half priced books. And um, oh, wow. it's a very simple spell. You know, you just use a seed and you put intention in it. And for me, that was calling in my next idea. Um, but, you know, to do that and be in that space, I had to get rid of everything else. One of those ideas too was I had been working on this one book for something like eight years off and on. Wow. And I just had to let that go, almost like mm -hmm. I was breaking up with someone. And I think that's an important thing to say because I hear a lot of young writers who have that one idea and like that in their mind is the idea that's going to take them everywhere. And they're so resistant to letting go of that and knowing that if you just open yourself up, another idea will come. Like if you're a writer, right. it's going to keep flowing. You just have to open yourself up to the source energy and, you know, like accept it. Um, so the planting magic, I did that. And I remember being like, oh, I just, I really hope this works. I really want an idea. I haven't had a new idea in so long. And as that little tiny sprout grew, it was this little tiny tomato plant, which I still have, by the way, I've been growing it for about two or three years now in different iterations or from the same seed um, from wow, the fruit. I love that. I know. I love that plant. I, it will never leave me. But as that little sprout grew, there was one day when I was cleaning, I remember it so vividly. I was cleaning my windows with, if you guys don't know about Housewitch and they're cleaning, they have like magical cleaning supplies, which are yes. fantastic, which I guess is a point in itself. I was trying to make everything a magical ritual at that point, cleaning my house you know, do it, feeding myself. These were all magic. It was all to feed creativity. Like I was looking at, you know, what fruits help you, you know, kind of stoke your creative passion, all of that. I was wearing carnelian all the time. Mm. Um, and I heard the voice of Lyra, one of the characters, calling out the name of Pollux, another one. And she said it in this, you know, that frustrated voice that she has of like, Pollux. Um, yeah which if anyone reads the book, they will understand it immediately. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like I heard it clear as day. And from then on, I just kept getting it was like a snowball effect. I kept getting more and more scenes and I was just allowing it to come in. Um, and it's so hard to take credit for it because I like, you know, a lot of people ask, like, well, how did you develop, you know, this storyline or this, you know, this character? And I 
I honestly feel like I just got it from the universe. These characters were already complete when I met them, mm-hmm. you know, and I just allowed them to be. You just um, open the door and let them in. Exactly. Of. So there's that. That was the letting it in. And then every single day while I was writing, I was doing a candle ritual where I would light the candle every morning and I would affirm to myself, you are creative. Creativity is your birthright. You are connected to the source energy, you know, telling myself these things every single day. Um, And that was just the writing process. (laughs) So like getting into the publishing process was a whole other thing. Um, I know, do you guys know Madeline Miller? Yes. Song of Achilles and Circe. Circe, Yeah. She very famously got a book deal by like uh, doing sex magic under a full moon. And I like, I I wish that had worked for me. I'd have about a dozen book deals, but (laughs) that didn't work for me. So, you know, I had to get into some other magics like a nine knot spell Um, and working with mainly Fortuna. That was who came in for me. Um, Okay goddess of luck yeah. so she's fantastic if anyone I needs love her. that <laughs> she's actually on my uh prosperity and abundance altar and i can see her from where i'm sitting i love that i love that so much yeah that she's fantastic really cool. yeah. i hadn't even heard of her um until i drew a goddess card for her and it, i'd been so focused on the wheel card and mm-hmm. feeling like i was at the mercy of like what's going to happen? You know, like I'm waiting to get an agent. I'm waiting to get a book deal. And these are things I can't control. And that's, you know, the wheel energy is you just have to kind of sit back and let it happen. So meeting Fortuna, who is the controller of the wheel, felt very, you know, clandestine, I guess. (laughs) That is so cool. Wow. That's incredible. And I love, um, the first thing that you said was, you know, to stop with the, I have writer's block because you, you know, you, you speak words and you speak things into existence. So you can really, and I'm sorry, whether that you believe that you are magically changing your circumstances or you're just programming your brain either way, that is probably the first roadblock is, you know, putting that out there all the time. I have writer's block. I oh, yeah. can't do this. I'm Abracadabra. Struggling. I create right. as I speak. Like and exactly. And changing changing your mindset to I am creative. Ideas are coming to me. I love that. I love that. It's amazing. And that can be used for anything. It doesn't have to right. be writing. It could be any creative, you know, process. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm loving this. I have I'm, I'm writing notes. I was actually going to ask what kind of seed was it, but then you answered. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love I love working with plants. That's I hadn't awesome. really gotten into it before, but it is such a I mean the most natural energy, and right. I think we kind of forget that we inhabit the earth where plants have been pretty much the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, as long as there's been living things. So, I mean, like, to me, that is one of the original power sources. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, like, looking at my questions now because a lot of them you already answered. Oh, no. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, But I can ask this one. Do you have a favorite character? It's like asking me to pick a child. I know. I know. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. no, I don't think I can because like, even as I'm saying, well, I do love Zeke because I love love his romantic brain and I love the way he's the world, you know, then I'll say like, oh no, but like Lyra, such a character, such a little basher, you know, she's just got all of that energy in her very small little body. But then Pollux is such an interesting, you know, I love them all just because, I spent so much time with them in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't think I could. I'll shoot it back at you guys. Do you know who your favorite character is so far? Um, I really love – so I I started really feeling like Lyra, Zeke, Aquila, and Pollux were the focus. And it became more and more apparent as I kept reading because there's other characters. There's mm-hmm. Orion, uh, Lacerda, um, Cass, and – Cygnus. <laughs> Cygnus. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Um, But I really quickly caught on to those four core characters being, you know, the core characters, which I didn't realize 
until I read uh, the synopsis, I, the, the just the little book description on Amazon that that was exactly the intention, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm on, the, I'm on, I'm on the same page, you know. <laughs> um, but I, the four of them are amazing. They're so complex, which is my favorite thing about them. I tend to, I tend to admire villains in stories more than protagonists sometimes because of their complexity. Right. Um, especially, and I notice, especially in um, YA writing, I feel like a lot of authors um, stick to this formula of having the main character be someone that all of the readers can kind of step into and be. And as a as a result, the, the main characters sometimes are a little flat because mm-hmm. they want the reader to be able to step into their shoes and experience what they're experiencing. And I don't necessarily think that has to happen. I think that the, the, the fact that the, all four of these characters are so incredibly complex actually makes me love the story more, makes me root for them more. Mm-hmm. They don't feel flat or like uninteresting. Every single one of them has so much going on. And I, I'm like really excited to learn more about them as I get further in the story. Oh, yay. Uh, it's so interesting that you bring up the relatability thing because that was a big part of the writing of this book. The When you know I got the idea and I knew that this was the way I wanted to go with it, it was to create characters that you wouldn't think that you could be relatable with. Right. And mm-hmm. on a grander scheme, I'm trying to think of a way to not give spoilers. Um, <laughs> It's okay. I okay. This, is, this is what I get for not getting further along than I should be. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, and also, you know, just oh, in true. general, I'm so terrible <laughs> yeah. with spoilers. I will tell someone the ending of a show, like, without even really realizing that I've done it. Um, I'll just be like, oh, and like, wasn't it crazy that it was just that dude the whole time? And they're like, what? <laughs> come on. Um, but I wanted it to be an experience that someone, you know, well, okay. So the book deals with mental illness on a a grand Mm -hmm. scale. And that is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I have, you know, family and friends who go through different forms of mental illness and the way that they are treated is so different through society. You know, it's, but mainly it's, it's an unrelatability. It is like the Mm -hmm. idea that if you are neurotypical, you can't get into the shoes of someone who has a mental illness it's a really difficult thing to imagine. So I wanted to try to create this bridge between that and say, like, mm-hmm. you might think that it would feel different if you had a mental illness, that you would be somehow mm-hmm. aware of it or, like, y- your your brain would feel different. And it's just not true. You are yourself, but then you have these these things that you have to process and these right. things that need extra care. So I the main goal is that I want people to be able to come out of reading it and be a better support system for people who struggle with mental illness. That's really what we need, I think, in society Mm -hmm. is to create a network that can support people and isn't going to look at it with fear or, you know, mistrust. So that's the it's it's interesting that you bring up relatability because I was sort of like, you will be related. You'll be you'll find these characters relatable because like you have to you're in their shoes. You're going through this incredible journey with them. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that because so many people for different reasons become othered. If I can turn the word other into a verb, they are basically made into this otherness of a category of people. And that should never happen. That's entirely unfair. And these people are absolutely relatable and still capable of being incredibly complex and interesting. And I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, I found, well, <laughs> I just actually love all the layers. And and as you read, there's more and more layers to each character, which is great. And even if you are neurotypical, I think that it's easy for, it will be easy for you to see a way to, to understand and have some empathy for the characters and what they're going through. Uh, it's just such a great book. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I will say, it's not my normal genre by any means. Um, I don't normally do, I mean, it's, it's science fiction-y, you know, which is not normally my jam. I read some young adult, but not normally. Not because I don't like it. It's just not what I normally read. But by this, the way, guilty pleasure is what I was trying to think of before. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure. 100%. Sorry, I'm yeah. like 
Still getting all of my uh, my my typically quicker on the draw brain functions back <laughs> after being <laughs> sick. But guilty yeah. pleasure. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But even despite it not being my normal genre, like I was sucked in immediately and I can't wait for the next book and I'm so excited. And that's my favorite thing about a really good book is it doesn't matter what genre it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a book club with a bunch of girlfriends and it's we just focus on fiction. A lot of bestsellers end up um, being our you know monthly read. And because I'm in there with like five other girlfriends, I end up reading all kinds of books that I would never choose for myself because everybody takes a turn choosing and they can choose whatever they want and the rest of us just have to read it and that's it. Um, and I'm sure that I've made them read things that they probably weren't super excited about, but we always tend to surprise ourselves and find books that we are so surprised to absolutely love because as long as it's a really good book, I don't think the genre really matters all that much. And that's exactly what's happening with this. Like if you don't love science fiction, typically uh, it doesn't matter because it's a good book and it's interesting and, you, and you'll stick with it and it's, it's a fun read. So I love that. Um, so yeah. bravo to you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I had never written sci-fi before and I never thought I was going to. It just seemed like it had to take place there, that this was sort of the battlefield where the story was going to be told. And, you know, since writing that first one, I now know where the whole series is going to go. And it's, it deals a lot with what I sort of view the future could be just mm-hmm. from the past couple of years of experiences. And, and ugh, I mean, we've been through so much as just the human race. So right. I think it's, I think a lot of people are thinking about the future at this mm-hmm. point and what it could be. And there's a lot of, you know, nihilism about it. There's a lot of like, well, we're all going to die anyway. Like, you know, mm-hmm. who cares about anything? And one of the things that's helped me a lot when I get into that state is um, Doctor Who, uh, which <laughs> I know Doctor Who is wonderful and beautiful. But I remember in the um, like the first season of the reboot, he takes Rose to see the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. And he says something along the lines of, you know, you humans are so concerned about the end of the world that you never stop to think about what if it goes on. And that mm-hmm. was so profound to me because if you think about it like that, every single thing you do matters because right. every single thing you do is going to affect what the human race will be. Every right. kindness, like if you're mean to someone, what does that perpetuate? You know, it's everything. Right. right. It's, and people, so, are, yeah. people are so fascinated by the concept of the butterfly effect. And yes. we've seen so many movies or read so many books about going back in time and how like you have to be careful even how you speak to someone because it could change the future. Yeah. But they don't consider that today you know and how exactly what you said how everything we do can have some sort of repercussion in the future um this is our flashback moment yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean it's it's important i think to think about it like that and especially in light of there being so much negative right now you know and having to get through this to look at the future as being something that we can potentially shape for good is a wonderful driving point for, for me at least, you know, and I would hope that other people could pick that up too and say, you know, like I want to make things better. And absolutely. Yeah. And what a great message on election day, which is when we're recording this. <sighs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not looking forward to watching the news tonight. Uh, that's okay. I'm sorry. I brought it up. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's something we all have to deal with. So it's true. Um, and it could be our, this could be our call to action moment. You know, this could be yeah. our, how do we fix it? How do we, what, where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for those of us who have this voice, this outlet like this, that we, we do talk about it because it's kind of our, we kind of need to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I just think it's important that if you have any kind of platform that you, you take the time to, to use it for good. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. It's, it gets so frustrating when you see people who do have so many eyes on them not using that force for good, mm-hmm. you right? Know? Or just even losing the perspective that you are influencing people. So right. yeah, I can think of probably somebody for each finger and toe right now, just off the top of my head. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I also get oh, I get so incredibly upset when someone 
who does have a platform uses it for good and the response is oh, you know what stick to acting or you know oh my stick god to right comedy. and i'm like that is a human being with <laughs> a stake in the future of what's yeah. going on you know like the, do not devalue their opinion just because they happen to be a famous whatever and it, it, it's it makes no sense it makes no sense it's it's just i really have to stop looking at comments <laughs> It's such an interesting culture that's come up now from that, you know, and I yeah. think it is, uh, mm. well, I mean, I'll get all philosophical about it, but I think it's a lack of self-love because right. when you don't like yourself, you are picking apart everyone around you. Yeah, and absolutely. it's, you know, once you get to a point where you release judgment of self, you stop judging other people. It's such an yes. incredible thing because no one's a threat to you anymore. You yeah. know, like no one, no one can make you feel bad about yourself if you're just like, well, no, myself like I know what yeah. my talents are I know what my mm -hmm. my pitfalls are like you can't shake me up I'm so strong in that knowledge and you know you don't need to go comment that someone you know is dumb on YouTube exactly right. I um I took a shadow work class back in September and the the major focus was when you encounter something about, about someone else that you don't like you're, you need to find that within yourself mm -hmm. and figure out why you don't like it about yourself and be honest with yourself and ask yourself those hard questions and try to release that. And realizing that everyone is a reflection mm -hmm. is a really, really powerful place to stand from as far as perspective goes. And yeah. it's, it's not an easy place, but it's incredible to just switch your perspective in that little bit in that little way i um i took that same shadow class in the previous year at, at anahata's purpose and one of the things that they said to me or well not to me personally but to my class <laughs> that was like absolutely profound to me was that um everybody has the ability to be a serial killer in their head or everybody has the ability to be you know, Mother Teresa or, you know, some, somebody who's just all good. Everybody has the same stuff. It's how we build our context and how we use what we have throughout life. So um, we're all a reflection of each other, which is exactly it. It's it's a good idea to, I mean, I do the, the little sit down and write five things that bother me about people and and remind myself that, well, basically get over it. Yeah. I mean, like, what an incredible knowledge to have about just the world and the people that you interact with. Like Marco was saying that you get to a point where it's almost immediate when you don't like something about someone mm -hmm. and you're like, what does that say about me? And it's, mm -hmm. I mean, to a point now where it's almost a little bit annoying because sometimes you just want to be annoyed at someone. Yeah. But my brain immediately goes to like, well, why is that annoying to you? Like, that's because you don't like this about yourself. You know, exactly. you didn't like that they, you know, I'm trying to think of who was the last person that annoyed me. Like, you don't like that they cut you off, but that's because, like, you felt entitled to have that parking spot, you know? <laughs> that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely I, true. I think I'll always get mad at people that cut me off, though. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it, you can't help it, but... Bringing it back to writing and books, uh, I know that you said that you already um, had that discussion with somebody who asked you if you were going to, um, you know, step away from YA and, you know, write anything else. So my question is, um, would you think you ever might try your hand at writing a book about witchcraft? You certainly have the talent for, you know, creating amazing stories. Like I said, the Ptolemy Project was immediately intriguing um, from the start and so well written. Um, so I'm just curious if you've ever considered trying to take some of your practice and put that down in print. That was actually the start of my whole writing career. So my first two books are about witchcraft. They are about being a teen and discovering, you know, that you're a hereditary witch, which, you know, didn't actually happen to me. I wish that would happen to me. But um, I know. But that it was about exploring different kinds of magic. And so I'm from Texas and I grew up, um, you know, pretty close to Mexico. And there is a lot of uh, brujeria influence. There's a lot of curanderas. Um, and that culture was so beautiful and rich. Like I love that combination of 
magic and spirituality. I just think it's so cool. And their mythology is so wonderful. Um, So those books dealt a lot with that in combination with what we typically think of as European practice of witchcraft. Um, So I, I loved that. It was, and that was when I was first starting to get into researching the craft in general. I don't think I had even done any spells at that point. I was Mm -hmm. just like, superstitious, which is what I think people who are undercover witches say, right. you know, like I'm just superstitious as I'm like sprinkling rosemary and salt around my apartment <laughs> and like putting things over my door and being like yeah. ghosts. No, you know, but that's, it was, um, my first soiree into that genre. So mm-hmm. I would love to write more about it. I would love to finish that series. It was published when I was still in college and I was very young and the whole story around that is is tough for me to tell. They're, you know, I mean, like, it's hard to put into a succinct little story. Essentially, my project manager um, and I had a bit of a, a falling out following essentially like a proposition. He made, like, he sort of trapped me in a car and then, you know, was trying to get stuff out of me. which I hadn't experienced as a young person. This was pre me Too movement. I had no, no idea how to process that. So of course, after that, I ran the opposite direction and I kind of tanked any chance I had at making that series, um, you know, big at the time. And that was what contributed to my state of not wanting to write. I felt so, you know, it, it just caused me pain to think about writing and, um, now being who I am and being so empowered by witchcraft, I would love to return to that series and finish it. You you absolutely should. Yeah. Um, that is extremely upsetting and un- unfortunate and unfair and just ridiculous that And it is not a unique story. It is that it, happened yeah, to and that's the saddest part, is that yeah. it's not an isolated incident. It's not as shocking as it should be yeah to hear uh and i'm very sorry to hear it well thank you yeah. you know well thank you it was a catalyst for a lot of self-discovery and i hope you know i hope that now we've created an environment where that's not going to happen to another young writer right um but also i feel that it's important to tell because even i still struggle with saying it. you know yeah. i still struggle with telling that story because there's some amount of shame that I feel for even being involved in it when yeah. it's like, I was not the perpetrator there, yeah. but you know, the telling of it is, I hope going to inspire anyone else to realize that it's, you know, this isn't just you, there is no shame around it. Um, I think we have to talk about it. So it stops happening. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And thank you so much for sharing that. That's uh, incredible. And you're absolutely right about the shame that gets attached to it and I think that's Mm -hmm. some generational shit that we still as a society have to continue breaking through um you know it's it's very recent that women are feeling empowered to be honest and upfront (laughs) about (laughs) things like that um and thank you so much for for sharing that well thank you guys for hearing it and bearing witness (laughs) so I'm gonna go back uh to the favorite character situation because I really, really, really loved Akila. And I am so appreciative just that you created that character. Her story is amazing. Uh, dealing with her, you know, internal issues is amazing. The f- uh, Well, no more spoilers. I was going to say something that's, uh, but just the progression of of getting to know her and getting to love her, I think is really great. And I'm so thankful that you put this character in, in the situation and made her a strong, very strong character, a very strong woman, you know, living her, living her truth, which I think is wonderful. So I do love Akila, And I think, you know, I seeing her progress from who she was in the beginning to at the end, I thought was a really cool journey for her. Um, and I mean, all of these characters are kind of kaleidoscope images of people I know, um, and taking, you know, aspects of them. And she is based on an incredible trans woman that I've been lucky enough to be friends with. Um, and then, you know, those struggling with 
So, you know, the, her condition doesn't totally exist, which spoiler, but, uh, you know, that I, I got inspiration from, um, you know, people who deal with something that is similar and people who do, um, have DID, they, the way they've described it, um, I tried to incorporate that as well. So I, you know, she's a really interesting blend of a lot of things, but that deep survival instinct, I think a lot of people in the trans community have that and have to, because the world is a very dangerous place for them. So I think it's important to show that that progression from being like, I can only take care of myself and I can only think about my survival mm-hmm. to letting in other people and being able to have those relationships and have that found family, I think is going to be so important for kids coming up these days to see that that is possible. And I wanted that to be like, you know, to feel like a hand reaching out to mm-hmm. people who feel that way, who feel like I am in survival mode all the time mm-hmm. and it's just me isolated by myself. So I yeah. hope that came across. It, well, it absolutely did. did. Yeah, it definitely did. And speaking of, you know, going back to how we were just talking about using your platform to mm-hmm. put out a, the right message to, um, to help people or just to help steer society in the right direction. You're doing that just by creating characters and giving readers the opportunity to really see them and understand them Mm -hmm. and care about them and learn about the people around them through these characters in this book. And I think that's amazing. You're absolutely doing that. I I think, I mean, Gina Davis says inclusion is the most powerful thing. Like seeing representation is game changing so I think, yeah, we we have to be pushing this. We have to be, you know, seeing different people in different situations, different backgrounds, so that it's not just, you know, the, like Sarah Plain and Tall in the young adult mm-hmm. fiction, you know, yes. who has the brooding yes. boyfriend. Um, I yeah. think the trope is the super special white girl and her brooding boyfriend. That's like <laughs> what the trope of YA is. Yeah. And I love to see YA challenge that. I really wanted to join that, that, you know, that that game and start doing that myself. Um, so glad that yes. it's landing. <laughs> it's yeah. so refreshing and we can absolutely expect this so much more like this from YA and get it and enjoy it and love it. And good for you. Like I just yeah. want more people to do that. Yeah, we should expect it. I think yeah. we should be like, no, give us this. Like this mm-hmm. is the status quo. Now we are going to start, representing everybody and yeah demand it almost absolutely yeah absolutely do you have other authors that you look up to especially say witchy authors um they can be you know fiction or nonfiction. but do you have anyone in mind that kind of keeps you moving forward you know someone inspiring I mean, I, I spoke about her before, but Madeline Miller yeah. is sort of the archetypal witch writer, and I mm-hmm. think she's phenomenal. She's just such a beautiful writer, yeah. and telling those stories that need to be told, you know, and saying I'm going to do something different, and doing it so well that you can't argue with it. You know, it's you can't mm-hmm. refute that that is a beautifully written book, and just from a skill level, you know, she's Amazing. just got the number. Um, so her, I definitely admire. <laughs> Yeah, I read Cersei and I absolutely adored it. It was like, it, and it's funny because the the other book that I have yet to read, The Song of Achilles, the title, The Song of Achilles, I want to say that Cersei felt like someone was singing a story to me almost. It was just so, like just the story just opened up to me so fluidly as I was reading it. It was amazing. It was almost like a song. It, it's It's... It's incredible. And I did not know that little fact about her um, using sex magic <laughs> to get published. And I absolutely love that. That's incredible. I love that yeah. she's so open about that. Yeah. Yeah, she's That's fantastic. Great. I think she's great. <laughs> I'm like, what power? Wish I had that power. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Margot, do you have more questions or are you ready to move on to the spell and ritual section? I actually do have one more question since we're going to move on 
since we're going to move on to the uh, the witchcrafty part, um, if you had to describe your practice or say the type of witch you consider yourself to be, um, how would you label yourself if you had to? This is such a hard question for me because yeah. I really struggle with knowing what kind of witch I am. And I, you know, I see my sisters who it's so obvious, like you're an astrology witch and like you're a fire witch. And Mm -hmm. I wish I had something that I was, you know, just so obviously talented in, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know, you don't have to be the best at something. Like you don't have, it doesn't have to be obvious. You can kind of flow through everything and, and just sort of go wherever the universe is sending you and that's okay. So I don't think I, I don't think I have a label for myself. Maybe at some point I will, I would love to have, you know, that's okay. The the closest I've ever come to giving myself any kind of title is the word eclectic because Mm -hmm. I, I am still on my journey and I'm still winding through my path and learning everything that I could possibly get my hands on. So I totally, I totally get not being able, that is, and it is a hard question. I just wanted to ask. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for the people who know, I always find that super interesting of being like, oh, but like, how did you find that out? And, you know, Mm -hmm. just that natural draw to something is so interesting to me. But I mean, I go back and forth about, you know, is a witch born? Can you choose to be a witch? I am in a sort of unique position in that I was adopted. I don't know any of my blood history. Um, I don't know if there were witches in my family. I, you know, will probably never know. And so I can go through the whole romantic fairy tale of like, well, maybe I'm a seventh generation, you know, Mm -hmm. European witch or something like that. But in truth, like, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Um, But I'm probably not going to know. And I certainly can see people in my life who it is undeniable that there is something metaphysical going on with them. You know, like my sisters, when they were kids, did a like a snow dance with their mother and it snowed like it was, you know, that stuff happens around them. And that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so someone that I have been romantically involved with has also had that kind of stuff happen. Like there, his whole family um, has experienced, I mean, it freaks me out, but seeing figures, they've all seen figures in their dreams and been like visited by these entities, which sounds scary as shit to me, but very witchy (laughs) and undeniably so. Um, And I don't really think I've had anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I also don't think that that bars me from doing witchcraft. I think it's, available to everyone and you don't have to be a hereditary witch to access it like it is again kind of your birthright the same way that any kind of art form is this is a way of living that like if you are open to it I do believe that magic it doesn't discriminate magic will will come to anyone who calls like the whole story about Hecate she comes to anyone who calls her Mm -hmm. and Hecate was my you know my my entryway into magic, the first thing I ever got when I was like, I'm going to start getting into this was a Hecate candle. And I said a prayer to her to like, you know, can you just help me be a witch? I want to be a witch. And this is what I want for my life. And Mm -hmm. I, she led me to my sisters who are my found family. And I, I don't know what I would do without them, but I 100% believe that that was her. And I think that ever since then she will show up, you know? And I think I, I totally agree with you. And I absolutely love that. I am, I'm a, I'm a devotee to Hecate. And, um, I find that, you know, some people stick with her and some people, because she famously just lights the way and helps you get to where you're meant to be. She famously kind of conducts people along a path and then lets them go when they reach the point where she's supposed to take them to, you know? So, for me, I feel like for now anyway, I'm I'm with her. I'm I'm staying with her and I'm comfortable there. But for a lot of people, it's uh it's it's very similar where she will just lead them in the direction where they need to go and then you know, she'll still be there, but it's more like fly baby bird, fly. Yes. <laughs> I know? love that so much. Yeah. So, uh let's we need like a clapboard. 
Take 28. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, so, Kate, <laughs> now that we've been disconnected uh, so many times, would you like to share with us uh, your spell? A spell. I would. So I thought I would share the road opener, the one that started it all, because nice. I think getting to that point where you are at, it's almost tower energy, right? It's like clean slate and you are ready to rebuild and it could be anything that you want. Anything you desire can come out of this state. I also just think given sort of everything that's going on in the world, this might be where a lot of people are currently. And so I thought this would be a good one. It is a bit of a longer spell, um, but let's, let me get into it. Um, so you will need for, so it's two parts. There is the bath and then there is the fire ritual. So for the bath, you will need an orange candle. Um, you'll need Angelica. There's an herb called Abre Camino and then just some salt. Um, so you'll light your orange candle. Oh, also, sorry, you will need an object that represents whatever you are wanting to bring in. So for me, um, I think it was, I had a little tiny book um, that I used for this. So, but it can be anything, um, you know, could be a penny for money, could be anything. Um, So light your orange candle while staring at the flame. Think about all of the blockages that have kept your path and your goal cluttered, or sorry, your path to your goal cluttered and difficult. What has blocked you? Is it your own thoughts and practices? Have you simply convinced yourself this goal is too difficult and can never be yours? If so, your actions will echo these thoughts and you will only draw in events and people who keep your path blocked. A blockage could be your own fear, self-doubt, self-sabotage, bad timing, a specific person, or just not having enough support either financially or physically. These are just examples. You will know what your obstacles are for you. So on a piece of paper... Write down all of the obstacles that lay in your path. Rub the paper over your entire body to imbue it with your energy. Try to imagine the feelings the obstacles give you. Frustration, anger, hopelessness, etc. Transfer these emotions to the paper. Fold it and place it under your candle. You'll draw your bath and add your herbs. And your manifestation object will go in the bath with you. Soak in the bath meditate on these feelings, imagine that they are being drawn out of you, Um, save a cup of water and the herbs from the bath. So I did it in a little sachet. I just put the herbs in there and let them soak in the water. Little tea, tea bath or bath tea. I guess that's what that is. Um, Let the candle burn down and then drip a few drops of wax on the paper to seal it. And I like made sure that made sure that shit was tight, really (laughs) sealed that up. Um, So in the next seven days, I think we did it maybe two or three days after the bath, you'll do a fire ritual. So you'll start your fire and cast your circle. You will throw your herbs into the fire. Hold your manifestation item in your right hand. Toss the water in each of the four directions with your left hand. Burn your obstacle paper in the fire. And then you will close your eyes and say aloud, I, your name, Open the path to whatever your goal is. All of my obstacles are gone. My road is clear. And as you say these words, obviously, you'll be in manifestation mindset. So really picturing what that feels like when your entire road is clear and everything is easy and natural and it just unfolds in front of you. If you're doing this with a coven, it's really helpful to have the rest of the coven also picturing that for you, picturing like what that would be like to, you know, get a phone call from you saying, oh, this just happened. Um, So obviously being in that supportive space. Take as long as you need to feel certain of this outcome. When you can see it and feel it as if it has already happened, close your ritual as you usually do with, you know, so it is or so mode it be. Um, And then take your manifestation object and keep it with you whenever you need that energy of reminding yourself that like this has already happened. Your road is already clear. Sometimes it doesn't look like what we think it's going to look like. Sometimes the universe has a better idea of how to get you there than you mm-hmm. do yourself. And that's a hard one. That was always yeah. a really difficult one for me because I would be so sure this is exactly how this is going to go. And yet always the universe knows better. And giving over to that is the hardest thing, but also the freest thing. Yeah. So that is the spell. 
I love that. I'm really excited about that spell. Oh my gosh. I love, I still get chills when I think about it. Yeah, I can think of uh, a, a couple things that I want to use that for. Mm. <laughs> I love sharing spells. I love including an uh, an object of remembrance or manifestation too to mm-hmm. keep with you after yeah. the fact because it's so easy to put it out of your mind after it's said and done. Um, but really, you kind of mentally have to go back to that space over and over again and really yeah. keep yourself in that mode of I'm going to get what I want. I'm working towards it. The magic is done, but it's still working. It's mad. It's still working. It's magic. It's still it's still doing its thing. And this is my token of remembrance and manifestation. I love that. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's and it's so hard wonderful. to to live in to be like dimensional beings as we are because mm-hmm. we are subject to time, whereas the universe is not subject to time. So it's right. like, well, this already happened, but we have to just let our bodies and the world around us catch up to that time. So that's kind of the reminder and having the item to say like this has already happened. We are just waiting for mm-hmm. our corporeal bodies to get to that point. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank um, you so much. I think that Margot has a card pull for us today. I do. Uh, today, I decided to pull from the Goddess Power Oracle deck. It is by Colette Baron reed uh, illustrated by Jenna Della Grataglia. Oh. oh wow, that's a that's a nicely awful. done. Yeah, well done. So I pulled this card uh, before we started our recording, just so I wouldn't have to um, make you sit here while I shuffle. And I actually pulled uh, Bronwen forgiveness. <gasps> oh, I love Bronwen. <laughs> Me too. Oh, excellent, excellent. This is the first time I pulled this one from this deck, actually. Uh, so Bronwen forgiveness, the empowerment message. Sometimes life invites us into conditions that challenge us to the core. As the Celtic goddess Bronwyn forgave those who caused her own death by a broken heart. I'm sorry, she asks you to set yourself free from the seeds of resentment that will surely choke the life out of your dreams. We are wounded by others and weave stories about our hurts and losses that live on in our hearts and minds. We come to distrust the potential of love and connection. No matter what your story is or when it began, forgiveness is the key to freedom here. Forgiveness allows for mending and repair, opening the heart to give and receive. If you need to forgive yourself or others, now is the time to do it. Keep your heart open and you can begin again. Only beauty, freedom, and treasures are found in the spirit of forgiveness. The goddess Bronwyn is here to support you. The alignment message. Sometimes we unintentionally cause hurt or pain to others. Sometimes our motive really is to hurt. Now is the time for self-inventory and making amends. Your alignment task is to be 100% accountable for your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, motives, and actions. You are not doing this, however, to experience forgiveness from someone else or even from yourself. It's to have the strength and fortitude to be accountable and take responsibility for your actions. In this way... Neither guilt nor shame can take root in your heart. You stand empowered and humble with your head high, no matter the consequences. You will always be the beneficiary of such an act. The goddess Bronwyn says deep healing comes from this kind of courage and respect. I mean, wow. Talk about topical with some of the things that we've been discussing. Right. Yeah. You know, I think if just speaking from a, you know, writer's standpoint, I think there is a lot of guilt and self, you know, not self-harm, but hurting oneself over the thought of writer's block. I think people get into that mindset where they're saying, you know, like, why can't you do this? Why can't you just write? Why can't you focus on this? And beating themselves up about that. I know I certainly went through that process as well. So having forgiveness for self. And then also, I mean, going back to what we were discussing with, you know, my first experience with publishing, I still hear the resentment. And I Mm -hmm. could let myself sink into being angry, but that is what kept me from writing for so long. And then also, you know, in a way, letting myself be the victim for so long, instead of saying, you know, I am in the empowered one in that I can forgive this person. And like, doesn't mean I have to ever speak to them. It doesn't mean I, you know, I have to like forgive them in person, but Mm -hmm. to let it go. Let it go in your heart. To not 
hold them in my head and and be, you know, continuously punishing them and and myself by extension. Absolutely. And it makes it easier. Absolutely. And it makes it easier for you to help others by sharing the story free of, you know, that, that stigma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love that card. Really beautiful. Wow. Uh, well, thank you, Kate, so much for joining us today. I'm sorry for all of our technical difficulties. No, thank um, you guys for having me. It's been so nice speaking with you. And I just, yeah. oh, I, I, I just love it. I wish I could talk to you every day. Uh, I know. Yeah. I love it. Despite having ridiculous technical difficulties, I absolutely love this interview. This was this yeah. is fantastic. Thank you so much great. for talking to us. Yes, thank you guys for the opportunity, truly. And I just want to tell everyone – you get and read the Ptolemy Project. You're yes. going to love it. You're yes. going to love it. When can we expect to learn more about what happens to the Fab Four? The Fab Four. Oh, I'm stealing that. <laughs> I'm stealing it. Consider it stolen. Um, I am about 75% done with the second book. Oh, that's exciting. So hoping that by, you know, a year from now I'll have it done mm-hmm. and we'll be well on the way to getting it out. So that's the hope. Awesome. Very Help exciting. manifest it for me. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll we'll definitely bring you on to talk to you about the next book. Oh, yay. Just I would love to have an opportunity to hang out with you guys again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Oh, I'm like trying to find the little buttons, but I don't have them. Oh, that's great. <laughs> again. Again, I just would have sat here like, oh, so. <laughs> well, we'll right, see you I'm, next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on our website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email us at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash thehearthandhedge. Thank you.